I just wonder if you bow your heads. It's because of you, Lord. We're here today. Lord, billions of people around this globe will stop because of what you did. Because of what we are remembering today, you changed this earth for good. We remember it with enormously grateful hearts. Speak to us today by your spirit, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all the people said... Amen. That was just a beautiful song. Touched my heart. Do you know that every date in history, including your birthday, is referencing the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every receipt you ever take, even from pack and save, references the resurrection of Christ. Even atheists refer to Jesus every single day. They write down and refer to a date because the resurrection of Jesus accomplished many things. Of course, the obvious. It split history into A, um, I was going to say A, B, C, D. (laughs) Let's get this right. B, C and A, D. Critically, it validated Jesus' identity. Critically. He proved that he really was who he said he was. Who he claimed to be, the Son of God. Who voluntarily died on a cross for the sins of the world. Was buried in the ground for three days. And then resurrected and walked around Jerusalem, not just for a day or two or five or 10 or 15 or 20 or 30, but 40 days. So firstly, the resurrection of Christ validated his outrageous claim. I mean, if I have a friend who I've gotten to know, really good mate, but one day he comes in and says, hey, guess what, I'm God. I've got a serious problem. Because that man is either two possibilities. He's actually three. He's absolutely a flat out liar. Because he's claiming to be God. Secondly, he's off his, lost his marbles somewhere. And he's a lunatic. A raving lunatic. No different than a person who thinks he's a chair. Because he's claiming to be God. This is outrageous. Or thirdly, he's actually the Lord. Now, it's one thing to say you're God. It's another thing to prove it. Secondly, Jesus proved, which is enormously hopeful to me and to you today, that there is life after death. And death is not the end of the story. Thank God. Because if you're just a materialist today, that's somebody who thinks that all you are is a bunch of chemicals floating around. When you die, that's it, baby. Back to chemicals. No hope. Atoms, no hope. That's it, the end, for nay. Without God, there is no eternity. And the death 
And the resurrection of Christ proved there is life after death. And three, which is what I wanna drill down on today, Jesus gave us a model, an example in the Bible when he was, when he, through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection of how we can learn to endure pain and suffering which does come our way in this life. I want you to notice the first scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. The Bible says this clearly, God has called you to what? So hang on. So right away that should tell you, if somebody comes along to you and says the Christian life is all, I was gonna say beer and skittles, but you know what I mean, a bed of roses. What does that say? No, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God has called you to endure suffering. In other words, to go through tough times because Christ has suffered for you. And he, this is a part, and He left you an example. An example is something for you to follow. You wanna leave a good example for your kids, right? Jesus left us a good example so that you could follow in His footsteps. We're gonna look at that example today because Jesus shows us here what to do in the very worst days of your life. Your worst nightmare. Let me explain that. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection happened over three days. Now on Friday was the day, Friday was like the day of pain, if I wanted to explain that. Friday was a day of pain and suffering. Then comes Saturday, and this is the day when there's enormous sense and feeling of loss and total confusion. What has happened? What I hoped for, what I expected, oh my goodness, before my very eyes, it was finished yesterday. But then came Sunday and that was a day of joy and victory. Now in your life, you will go through all of those three days over and over again. And when you do, you're gonna ask yourself three questions. Three fundamental questions are gonna come up in your life. The first one is, how do I even get through my day of pain? The second one is, sorry, how, yeah, what should I do in my day of pain? And three, how do I get to the days of joy? So that's what we're gonna look at today. Now you may not be in a problem right now, but at some point, I hate to tell you this, but you will be blindsided by tragedy. Jesus said that whilst you're on earth, you will have trouble. But, he always balances this, I love this, but he recognises that. He's not unrealistic, but he says, but be of great um, courage because I have overcome the world. Be of good courage because I have overcome the world. So you may not be in a problem now, but you will have loss in your life and you will need this message, believe me, because you will have, like I will have, difficult days ahead of you. And more so as we see the day of the Lord approaching. So if there's any week you need to take notes, that I, and by the way, when you take notes, please do it with this mind frame. 
within the next little while, I'll have to teach these notes to somebody else. So take them as if you're prepared to teach because I want to equip you to be teachers of the Word of God. So we're going to look today at what Jesus did in the worst days of his life so that you can know what to do in the worst days of your life so you can encourage others to, to, um, to know what to do in the worst days of their life. And the answers are in Easter, in Jesus' life, of how you can go through the toughest days of your life. The first day, let's consider each day. The first one, we're going to begin with Friday. And that was the day of pain. Jesus experienced the ultimate in pain. First of all, he took the physical pain. He was beaten. I mean, punched in the face. That hurt. Beard pulled out. That hurts. Crown of thorns on his head. That is agony. Apart from the fact He was tortured, deprived from sleep. And when he was lashed, it was illegal to lash anybody more than 39 lashes because 40 killed a normal man. But on the end of that was a cat of nine tails. So for every one lash, you took nine strokes. And on the end of that was glass and shell and sharp stone. So you can imagine by the end of 39 of those, your back was shredded. Now, many of you know, From the happy side of things, your back is very sensitive. You may enjoy a back scratch every now and again. But it's also a point of incredible pain. You get stabbed there. Thorns on the head. And then nailed to a cross. So he certainly understands all about physical pain. And hauling around a seriously heavy crossbar for a cross. Jesus was a very manly man. None of this wimpy stuff. He was a tough guy. He endured. He endured. Two, he also experienced mental and emotional pain. Humiliation. How would you like to be stripped down to your undies? Hung on a cross publicly, spat on. That's what happened to our Saviour. Rejection. People crucify him. The crowds are fickle. Remember that, the crowds are fickle, but God is faithful. One minute they're saying, the Messiah, the Messiah. Next minute they're yelling, crucify them. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Shameful. He was disgraced. One of the things that would have hurt probably most is the pain of betrayal. And some of you know what that feels like. The pain of betrayal. His disciples scarpered. Bar one. So he, Jesus suffered physical pain. We get that. He certainly suffered mental and emotional pain. And thirdly, the third type of pain that he experienced, which we do not comprehend, he experienced searing spiritual pain because Jesus took on the guilt of every ugly crime and sin on his own shoulders. I would hate to die and pay the penalty for my own sin, let alone for the whole world. That is incomprehensible. He felt the hell of separation from God. 
We've never experienced that kind of intense physical, mental and spiritual pain combined together all in a very short period of time. But the point is this, that whatever Jesus went through there, he understands the pain that you feel and he sympathises with it. Look at this on the screen. Jesus understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same kind of trials and temptations we do, yet he never sinned. And then this next verse on your outline. Since Jesus went through suffering and temptation, two things, he knows what it is like when we suffer and are tempted. And here's the key. And he's able to help us. Here's the key. So through the days of pain and the days of confusion in your life, what do you do in the days of utter agony and pain? Well, you follow the example that Jesus did. And there's two things that he did here on that Easter Friday. The first one's going to surprise you. Completely surprise you. The first thing Jesus did, I want to point out, is he reached out to friends. Their presence can help share your pain. And on the night, Jesus knew he was going to be arrested, tortured and crucified. See, he knew exactly what was coming his way. Exactly. He took his closest friends to his favourite spot to pray. It was a garden at the base of the Mount of Olives. You can go there today. And the same olive trees that were there when Jesus' day are there today. Olive trees can grow up to 2,000 plus years old. They're there today. I saw them last year. Matthew 26. Let's pick it up there. Jesus took his disciples with him to Gethsemane and said, stay here with me, circle that. Stay here with me. In other words, he's just saying, I just need you to be present with me while I pray. Then he took Peter, James and John a little further and he was filled with anguish and deep distress. Why? Because he knows perfectly well what's coming. And he said to them, my heart is so overwhelmed and crushed with sorrow that I feel like I'm dying. Just sit here and watch with me. Then Jesus took a few more steps and he fell to the ground and he prayed. And that passage tells us a couple of startling facts. Number one, even Jesus needed friends in pain. That is exactly the opposite of what we normally do as humans. When we're in pain, we often back out of relationships. When you're in emotional pain, we, we, we kind of withdraw into our shell. When we feel like we've been a failure and we've absolutely blown it, we withdraw. Or when we've had a huge hurt, just shattered, we pull back. When we're embarrassed, who hasn't been? We've all been embarrassed or ashamed. Now the point is, it is a mistake to try and handle pain alone. Look what Jesus did. Don't isolate yourself when you're in pain or embarrassed or you've suffered a severe setback or failure. The second, Jesus was open, honest about the pain he was going through. 
Look at this here. Oh, by the way, it's not a mistake to share your hurt. You're not supposed to repress it or suppress it. What we can see from Jesus' example is here, you need to express it. Galatians 2, 6.2, it's on the screen. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. By doing this, what is the law of Christ? Loving your neighbour as yourself. That you are there for them in their pain, and they are there for you in your pain. You carry each other's burdens. You are never meant to go through life by yourself. That's a, a, let me tell you, that's a very subtle lie that the enemy uses to pull you out of, the, out of the fire and isolate you. Be careful of that. Christianity, this is a family. You know what it's like if you have one member of your family that pulls himself away from you. You know that's not where they're meant to be. Now, on that note, if you're not in a small group, I highly encourage you to take a positive step in that direction Today and start to build some new friendships. Now, let me say this on the other side. Friends are essential, but friends can't always be there for you. You could be somewhere different. They're not there. Friends can't, but God can. And friends sometimes can have an appreciation, and they do, of your pain, but God knows and can plumb the full depths of your pain and your frustration. He knows that. The fact is, if we look at the Scriptures, the disciples fell asleep while Jesus agonised. Spot the juxtaposition here. In his hour of deepest needs, the boys are sleeping on the job. In fact, his closest buddies are sleeping on the job in Gethsemane. But remember, we get tired. God doesn't. He never does. So the second thing you need to do in the Fridays of your life, in the days of pain, is you need to reach out to God. You may want to write that in. You don't just reach out to friends. And how do you reach out to God? You pray. Before Jesus faced the worst trial of his earthly life, he went and he prayed. He prayed. Imagine how you'd feel knowing the pain you're about to face. You get very, very focused and intentional about that prayer, yes? In fact, look at this, Mark 14. The Scriptures are very clear. Jesus fell face down on the ground and He prayed, if this is possible, He would not have to suffer the pain ahead of Him. He prayed, Abba, Father, look at this, one, I know you can do all things, And two, I don't want to have to drink this cup of suffering. Nevertheless, three, I want your will, not mine, to be done. This is a pattern that we can learn from of how to pray when we're in pain. Often we don't get to that. We just go, help, get me out of this mess. That's we stop. But Jesus didn't do that. So whenever you're in pain, pray like Jesus did in Gethsemane. What did He do? Three things. Number one, He affirmed God's power. You need to affirm God's power. I know you can do anything. That is an absolute fact. Anything. Because you're God. The moment you created the universe, no miracle is off the table. Nothing's too hard for you. Second, express your desire. In this case, Jesus said, I don't want this poison. I don't want this pain. If it's up to his earthly nature, 
But then three, offer your trust. This is where the bridge of faith steps across. Father, I don't understand this, but I want your will in my life because you know what? You know far more what's best for me than me. I can only see so far, but you can see further. And any time in my life when my pain has been almost unbearable, I have prayed like that, what Jesus did. After Jesus finished praying, the soldiers then arrive and they arrest him. And then we go on a shenanigans of six illegal trials, three Roman, three Jewish. Every one of those was flat out illegal. Then they torture Jesus. They nail Jesus to that cross. He dies and he's buried in a tomb with guards because the Pharisees said, you know, they roll up to Pilate and said, hey, you know, we've heard that this guy said he's going to rise from the dead. Now, if something happens to that body, we'll be in a worse pickle than we were in the first. So let's put some guards there and make doubly sure nothing happens. Or our name's going to be mud. Now we come to Saturday, the day of confusion. Imagine the confusion and the full range of emotions the disciples must have felt. Some of them would have felt absolute gut-wrenching grief. All of their hopes, all of their dreams, everything they've always believed. And what? He's dead. Crucified. For all to see, the whole town. Enormous sense of loss. Loss of purpose in life. Loss of vision. Where do I go? Disillusionment. An enormous doubt. What the heck have I just done? When they saw the Messiah, the Son of God, crucified by Romans, taken down, put in the tomb and sealed. Let me tell you, there's a couple of things that have come to my mind. Maybe you have to think about yours for you. I don't sort of say, why did I let that happen? Self-recrimination. We all ran away like girls. Yeah. Like girls. Especially Peter, foot in the mouth, Peter. Oh, I'll never deny you. Wrong at the top of his lungs. Oh man. Have you ever been wrong at the top of your lungs? Oh man. And then there's a confusion. What on earth are we supposed to do now? I can understand that. They've just seen, you know, total shock. Now there are a thousand ways you can go through the Saturdays of life, the days of doubt, the days of loss, when what you'd hoped for and built and worked towards is puff, gone in a puff of smoke. The days of grief. Maybe, maybe you took a new job and you moved to a new place and you had so much hope for, you may even have even felt that God led you. And you got the boot. And now there you are. Or it's a relationship you think, this is going to be it. And then it falls apart. And they walk out. I can imagine the disciples, one of the prominent fears will be for them. All right. They've got the shepherd. They're coming after us next. Fear will be an enormous emotion. Are they going to kill us too? 
The obvious implication is you bet they would. And then regret. Hang on, we could have stopped this. The what if thing, because we said, if we didn't nail Judas and stopped him, this would have never have happened. The what if guys. Now Jesus had already warned them well ahead of time that this is going to happen. Let's pick it up in Matthew 26. Then Jesus told them, before this night's over, you are going to fall to pieces because of what happens to me. In other words, let me say succinctly in modern vernacular, your neat little world is going to fall apart. Where everything all balances and everything's all copacetic, it's going to fall apart. On the screen, Jesus told them, all of you will desert me. For the Scriptures say, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And that is exactly what happened. All the disciples were AWOL, absent without leave. Matthew 26, 56. At that point, all the disciples abandoned Jesus and ran away. Let me ask you something very personal. Have you ever deserted God? Deserted Him out of pain? Maybe you were praying for something that you deeply desired and it did not happen. And so you walked away from church. Maybe you thought something should happen this way and it ended up being a massive disappointment to you. And you lost your faith and you walked away from your faith. Or have you ever let pain move you away from God rather than what you know you should do and that is go towards God? So how do I get through the days of confusion when nothing makes sense? When everything is turned to ashes, we sang about that today, you, take, you can make beauty from ashes. And when everything's all up in the air and all your plans have gone down the toilet and you don't even know what to do, what do you do in the Saturdays of your life? I want you to write this down and remember this. Remember the promises of God. Remember the promises of God. Now let me say this as succinctly as I can. Never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. Never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. Right before Jesus was crucified, He gave His disciples a huge promise. And in John 16, up on the screen, it says this. Jesus said, here's what's gonna happen. Soon I'll be gone and you'll be without me. But after a while, you'll see me again. He's predicting his resurrection there. You will weep and mourn and grieve, but your grief will eventually turn to joy. It will be like a woman who goes through labour pains. When a child is finally born, her anguish turns to joy because the new life wipes out the memory of the pain. In the same way, you'll go through sorrow now. But I'll be back. So before Arnie stole that, it was in the Scriptures. And you will rejoice and no one will be able to rob that joy. I love that. That 
was a very important promise the disciples should have been hanging on to with grim death. The same type of determination that that guy in Unbreakable did when he was holding that big iron beam. Hanging on to that promise. Because 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For all the promises of God are yes in Christ. So the principle I want you to remember from this is in dark and confusing times, hang on to what you know to be true. Don't doubt it. So what do we know about God and the light? Well, we know that God sees everything that you go through. Nothing escapes His attention. We know that God loves and He cares unconditionally and He will never stop loving you. We know that God wants the best for you, that He grieves when you hurt. And we also know that He loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections. Into it's over, from it's over, into no, it's not. But what happens when you don't remember the promises? I'll tell you what happens from personal experience. You worry. You worry, that's what happens. Some of you may have gone through a, a, a major personal train wreck, maybe at work. Or maybe you feel like you're still going through it right now. Maybe you've been through a, a disaster in your marriage or a complete and utter surprise in your health. And it seems like everything has turned into ashes. But God has a promise for you. And He says this, it's the same word of encouragement that God gave to His people in dark days and He offers it to you today. This word of encouragement, He says this, God promises, to all who mourn in Zion, I will give beauty for ashes and joy instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. So all hope is found in God. Conversely, without God, there is no hope. So I'm pointing you to where you get all hope. It's not in TV. It's not in anaesthetizing yourself, but going to mindless movies, which add zero to your spiritual life. It is in the promises and the words of God. And this next verse, I have personally found to be incredibly true in my life when I've gone through anguish and great difficulty. Isaiah 43, verse two. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I've been there and so have you. I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, have you ever tried to walk against a, a current of a river? Man, it feels like your legs are concrete. It's hard yards. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord, your God and your Saviour. You need a saviour. Because without them, you will be in great trouble. You will have great difficulties. You will drown. You will go through the fire and you will be burnt and you will be oppressed. But in Him is the answer to all. The only way you can get through those days of pain, the Fridays of life, and get through the days of confusion, the Saturdays of life, to get to the Sundays, the days of joy and victory, is you need a saviour to rescue you from the miry clay. Because you know what? I can't resurrect myself and either can you. Sorry, we don't have that power. We need to turn to Him who has all the power and trust Him to get through to Sunday, which is the days of joy. Now on Sunday morning, some of the women go to the tomb to mourn. 
And then He shows up to the disciples. And when He shows up to a bunch of other people and over the next 40 days, He has meals. He goes fishing with people. He shows up to over 500 people, most of whom were living still at the time of Paul. So He says, so you've told you that, go check it out with any of them. They're all here, go, go figure it out. His faith was based on evidence. Check it out, cross-referenced, eyewitness evidenced. So when the disciples saw Jesus, that they'd just seen hung on a cross go, uh-oh, that's a game changer. That changes the whole rules. And I'm not afraid anymore. We are fearless. Why? Who cares? Kill me. In fact, take your best shot. I don't give a rip anymore. That changed their entire mindset. We're not even worried about you guys anymore. And these 12 guys, I say 12 because we're including Matthias, who was at the back end after Judas was out of there. These 12 guys started spreading that news so passionately that the whole Roman Empire, which was mighty powerful, was changed in Jesus' name. Explain that. 300 years, it became the faith of the Roman Empire and Caesar is a Christian. Figure that out. Something happened. Why? Because they were fearless and confident because they had many, many eyewitnesses that had seen the risen Lord. You don't get a change like that in a Roman Empire without some rock hard evidence. Their joy was contagious and it was totally unbounded. So how do you get to those days of joy? You turn to Him and if you trust Him, you'll eventually get to the Sundays, the days of joy. Now, by the way, this is often not a quick fix. When the disciples saw that Jesus had overcome death, it created an explosion of contagious joy. How do you get there, the days of joy? You rely on the power of Jesus. Because friends, I've got to tell you, it takes far more than the power of self-effort. When your life has turned to ashes, when your life has fallen apart, when you're in chronic pain or have a chronic problem or a chronic state of conflict and you can't do anything about it, you're not going to get there on your own. Only God can get there. I remember the day my father walked out of our house and there's not a thing I could do about that. And I wasn't in the Christian then. It wasn't too long after that that through that chronic pain, I reached out to God. And I had to rely on the power of Jesus to take away that hurt, that emptiness in my heart and pour in a love that suddenly sort of filled up and healed that hurt. I can only explain it that way. It wasn't a my self-effort, it was a power of Jesus' Spirit. And in the same way, only God can deliver you from your most chronic problem and my most chronic problem. Our sin that separates us from a holy yet loving God and perfect God. God has to do it for you. And He did this through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ, that He offered on the cross. You see, if you could do it by yourself, He would never have had to send Jesus to do it for you. He didn't need to send Christ as a personal Saviour. What you need to do is you need to believe that Jesus Christ took the punishment that I deserve so that through faith in Him, I can be forgiven freely by God. And then gratefully receive God's offer of forgiveness and place my trust in Jesus 
for salvation. That is accepting Jesus as my personal Saviour. Now, I want to summarise what I've just shared as we get to the end here. To get through the worst days of your life, you need to firstly reach out for the presence of Jesus, which is what I did. In my days of desolation and devastation, I reached out, God, if you are there, reach out for Him. And you know what I found? I found a tremendous comfort coming into my heart. I don't know where that came from because there was no earthly change in my, in my circumstances. Then you need to remember the promises of God. Let me say it clearly. You need to learn them because that's where the hope comes from. Memorising God's words, not my words. My words are worth nothing. God's words are worth everything. Then three, you need to rely on the power of Jesus every day. That gives you strength. See, the words of God give you hope and the power of God gives you strength. When you do those three things, it's a game changer. Now, anything's possible. A new future's possible. John 11, 25 says this. I, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, will live again. And I give them eternal life for what? For believing in me and they will never perish. See, death is not the end of the story, folks. And that gives me great hope. You see, our minds are so limited. We can only kind of imagine in three dimensions, but I want to tell you this morning, on the authority of the Word of God, there is a fourth dimension. Actually, some physicists, in fact, most theoretical physicists would totally agree with that. There's a lot of stuff we can't explain. A fourth dimension that we don't even have the capacity to fully understand. There's a whole other level. Notice Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus didn't say, I point to it, I show the way. He says, I'm it. So what I'm saying to you is that the answer to your problems in this world, to getting out of the days of pain through the days of chaos and confusion into the day of joy, the answer is not a whole bunch of principles. It's a person. It's in Him, Jesus Christ, the living Saviour. You do not need a religion you do not need rules and regulations and all that stuff. You need a person, Jesus Christ. What you need is a true personal relationship to Jesus. You need to get to know Him. And my prayer for you this Easter 2015 is wrapped up in this wonderful prayer, which I have been praying for you this week. Ephesians 1, it says this. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe in Him. It's that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. So that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me on a daily basis. And if Christ can raise a dead body, you know what? He can raise a dead marriage. If Christ can raise a dead body, He can raise a dead career. If Christ can raise a dead body, uh, if God can raise a dead body, He can raise a new vision for the future, for your future. Maybe it's just gone. But with God, He has plans for your life and He can do anything. It's a whole new ball game is what I'm saying with the power of God in your life. And that's why Paul said this in Philippians 3.10, I want to know. Christ. Notice it's not just know about Him. I want to know Him. And I want to know the power of His resurrection. And I want to know the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings 
and becoming like Him in death. So what he's saying here is there, if it means I have to go through tough times so that I can get to know Jesus, bring it on. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection because that's what matters most. So we're gonna end with a life-changing prayer and it's a verse in the Bible, Romans 10, 9. It's on the screen. And I think I also put it in your outline. It says this, if you confess with your mouth, that means you pray. And you say, God, I admit this. If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord. That means, let me tell you straight, He's God. He is God with a capital G. That's, it, it, he is who He says He is and He's in charge. He's not just part of your life. He's the CEO of your life. He's the chairman of the board. He gets to call the shots. That's what making Jesus as the Lord says. Not my will, it's the boss's will, the CEO's will. Then he says here, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and that's what Easter's all about. Then he says, you'll be saved. Now that's one of those promises. Have you claimed that yet? If you haven't, you need to do that one right now. Let's bow our heads. If you've never accepted the grace of God in your life, and if you've never turned your life over to Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, you're not going to get out of your Saturdays and Fridays into Sunday because you can't resurrect yourself, and neither can I. Now Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now, and I invite you to follow me in that prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. You can just kind of say it to yourself. But again, as I say the words, just say, God, me too. What Ian's praying, that is the desire of my heart. And I'm going to pray and you can follow. Dear God, just say that in your mind. You know every pain that I've had in my life. And you know the confusion and the doubts that I've had. And you know that I've spent a lot of my life in the Fridays and the Saturdays. And God, I really want to get to the Sundays. I want to live in that sense of joy, simple trust and victory in You. Thank You so much, God, for sending Jesus to pay for all those things that I've done wrong by dying on the cross for me. And to be honest, God, I don't understand how it all works. But I know that I need you in my life. As much as I know how today, I humbly ask you, Jesus, to forgive my sin and to put your love in my life come into my life and make me the person that you designed me to be. I want to learn to love you and to trust you. I want to know your presence and live in your promises and to rely on your power instead of relying on my own self to get through my most difficult days. 
I pray this humbly in Jesus' powerful and incredibly precious name. Amen.